Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. So last week we finished talking about um, some of the failures of the church and how it's led us to be emotionally immature disciples. Uh, Over the past three weeks that we've done teachings, we've talked a lot about how a lot of times we grow spiritually and we feel like we end up hitting a wall. And the reason why we hit this wall is because we can't grow farther spiritually than we're willing to mature emotionally. Sometimes we can't mature spiritually farther than we're willing to mature intellectually as well. It's it's an all-encompassing package. Um, I know in the New Testament and in the Greek mind, we think about the human uh, human beings being in three parts, spirit, soul, and, and body. In the Old Testament, it wasn't like that. The Jews actually view the human body being one whole cohesive piece that all has to move forward together. Um, So as we learn how to grow into mature disciples, we have to become emotionally healthy. We have to become intellectually healthy. We have to become spiritually healthy. And beloved... We will be in health and prosper in our bodies as our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions, right? The things that we're covering prosper, just like it says in 3 John 2. Um, So tonight, uh, we're going to start off our Marks of Mature Disciples series. We're going to start with Mark 1. Um, You could also call this the solutions to being... uh, emotionally immature how do we become emotionally mature well there are some solutions this is the first one this is the first mark of an emotionally healthy disciple and that is be with god before you do for god we look at psalm 27 it says one thing i have asked of adonai that i will seek to dwell in the house of adonai all the days of my life to behold the beauty of adonai and, in to, and to meditate in his temple. Um, man, one thing that I ask that I would seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple all the days of my life. David was after one thing and one thing alone. He had tunnel vision. He had what Solomon calls in the Song of Solomon when he's talking about his beloved. Uh, he calls it dove's eyes. <clears throat> Missy, Edwards, Missy Edwards has a song about it. 
Um, Dove's eyes, their pupils are so small that when they when they look around, they can only focus on one thing at a time. It's like they have built-in tunnel vision. That's why that metaphor is there. Um, so one thing that I want to challenge us with over the next couple of weeks as we begin to talk about being with God before we do for God is I, I, I want to ask all of us, and I want us to be honest about this, how many things are we really seeking in life? What are those things really? And, and I don't want it to seem like I'm, sh- I'm shaming anyone for having more desires than just the one that David had. <clears throat> but what I am saying is that our desires need to start with that one thing. To behold the beauty of the Lord. I, I love that phrase because uh, you become what you behold. Um, you become what you worship is a phrase that's been coined. The first time I heard it, it was from Bill Johnson, but I, I later found out that he actually stole it from um, the lady who started the Ashland. Ruth Heflin. Yeah, Ruth Heflin. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, she has a book on the glory of the Lord and worship that is just the best book on worship I've ever read in my life. Um. And she talks about this concept. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. If you're having trouble with a sin issue in your life, my first question from now on is going to be, how often are you beholding the Lord? How often? How often do you just sit with Him? Because we can't get rid of the sin in our lives by doing anything. We get rid of sin by surrendering. By knowing who our Savior is and looking at Him to save us. Not working up faith to think that He's going to save us. See, in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, a lot of the times they talk about faith as if it's a noun. It's something that we should have. And that's true. But in the Jewish mind, faith wasn't something to have. It was something to do. And the key thing to do was to sit with the Lord and behold Him. That's what changed the saints of the Old Testament. We talk about Moses and Abraham and Elijah and Elisha and these prophets of old, these big time key players in the Old Testament and how much more righteous they were than everyone else in the Old Testament. And it's because they saw who the Lord was. They spent time with Him. The Lord offered Himself to all of Israel. All of Israel. But there were only a few that chose to answer the call and spend time with him. Yes, ma'am. You know, I was thinking about Joshua. You know, Moses would leave the tabernacle that they had in the wilderness, but Joshua stayed. Joshua stayed. Yeah. He stayed there. He yeah. chose that. Yeah. And it's who like did the Mary Mary anointing? 
Right. Mary chose the best part. Right. And then who did God choose to lead Israel into the next age? The one that chose to behold him. <clears throat> right. And what was the name of that name? You said wrote that book. Ruth Heflin. Ruth Heflin. Ruth Heflin, yeah. <clears throat> to, like six books on the glory. Right. I've read two of them. I have two more that I need to read. I got a list. <laughs> um, to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us moving forward. How often and are we spending time with Him? Um, and I know a lot of the times it feels like reading our Bible, sitting in prayer, listening to worship music throughout the, the day. It's, sometimes it becomes a, it just feels like a checklist. <clears throat> it's just a list of things that we have to do. I'm not even saying that we need to have that list. I'm, I'm asking, how often are you inviting Him into the situation that you're in? How often are you taking a time out just to sit with Him with no agenda? Sometimes our Bible study, sometimes our prayer time, sometimes our worship time, it's not because we actually want to spend time with Him. It's, it's an agenda to make ourselves feel good. But what doesn't feel good is sitting in silence for most of us because we're so used to the noise. How often do you hear Him in the silence? For those of us that are super ministry driven, like I've definitely been in the past and probably still am more than I would like to admit, the only way that we hear Him out in the open when we're surrounded by noise and we're, we're in a high stress situation where we need a prophetic word to help set someone free is by sitting with Him in the silence and coming to know His voice in those areas. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. If you want to know why you haven't been used mightily in ministry or in the prophetic probably because you haven't spent enough time with him. Mm. And I don't mean that to come from a place of you got to do this in order to become better at using your gifts and be a perfectionist at using your gifts. I'm, I'm saying that if you have a real desire to change the world, the change has to begin with you. And the only way that we're changed is by hearing the voice of the Lord for ourselves. It can't come from me. It can't come from pastors of your past. It can't come from future pastors. It has to come from God directly. Let's look at Mary and Martha. Uh, let's go to Luke 10. We're going to start in verse Now while they were traveling, Yeshua entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister named Mary, who was seated at the master's feet, listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. So she approached Yeshua and said, Master, doesn't it concern you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. But answering her, the Lord said, Martha, Martha, are you anxious and bothered about many? You are anxious and bothered about many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Miriam has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. 
one desire, that she may sit in the house of the Lord, behold the beauty of Adonai, and meditate in his holy temple all the days of her life. You know what's crazy is that we talk about Joshua, which is a great example. I didn't even think about that as I was writing this, but um, you know the first evangelist in the Bible to share the good news that Jesus was resurrected was Mary. She was she was the one. I there's no like time frames after the resurrection of who recognized Jesus the fastest. But I would be willing to bet that when Jesus showed up in his glorified body and people didn't recognize him, I bet Mary recognized him the fastest because he, she knew the sound of his voice. So look, let's, let's really dive in. Let's really start diving into this. Um, so here's what I found in, in the 10 years that I've done ministry. I found this about myself. I found this about other pastors and, and ministers and Christians as well. Too many followers of Jesus are spread too thin and doing more for God than their inner life with him can sustain. They have too much to do in too little time and say a default yes to opportunities without carefully discerning God's will for their life. I don't want us to be those people. A person who practices being before doing operates from a place of emotional and spiritual fullness, deeply aware of themselves, others, and God. And as a result, their being with God is sufficient to sustain their doing for God. As a result, their being with God is sufficient for sustaining their doing with God. I, I, I I want us to really carefully think about this. If we feel like we're not doing enough for God, it's probably because we're not being with Him enough. And there's a lot to say about a statement like that. If we feel like we're not doing enough for God, there are a lot of things that come to mind. Well, what is there to do? It's by grace alone, right? Therefore, there is no condemnation. It's by grace alone that you're saved. You, you tracking with me, Ariel? All right. All right. You can't do anything during your salvation? All right. All right. Tracking with me. Tracking with me. Uh, Therefore, there is no longer there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who follow not after the flesh but after the Spirit, right? Where is that condemnation coming from? That guilt, that shame? Is it from the enemy? Or is it actually an actual question for God? What, what else is there to do? Because he did give us commandments to do. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we feel like our life has to have a purpose. Even after we're saved, we continue to question God. God, what is my purpose? Go out, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, well, how do I do that? What is my purpose? What is my individual thing? What's my niche? Well, you're not going to find that by reading the Bible. You're not going to find that from a pastor. Or a leader in the church, you're going to find that from sitting with God and knowing Mm -hmm. who he's called you to be because you see who he is. Mm -hmm. Well, God, I know who I'm supposed to be, but how come I keep failing at the things I'm trying to do for you? 
Well, it's probably because our inner life can't sustain what we're supposed to be doing in our outer lives. Look, healthy Christian disciples consistently live from their own emotional and spiritual fullness without riding the coattails of another person's faith or becoming emotional vampires. You ever get around a person and it's like no matter what you do to try to love them, it feels like they suck the life out of you and it takes days to recharge? Mm. That's what I call an emotional vampire. Mm. It's what I call an emotional vampire. Do you know why emotional vampires drain you? It's because you're not living out of the fullness that you're supposed to have with the Lord. Straight up. If you're drained by somebody else, it's because... You're not ministering from that overflow that you're supposed to have from spending time with Him. David said, my cup runneth over, right? My cup runneth over. If anyone had a reason to feel like they were surrounded by emotional vampires out of the Old Testament, it was David, David, man. (laughs) So look, I'm not saying that you don't need rest and you don't need the Sabbath. What I'm saying is that we need to be aware We need to be aware of where others are at and how they drain us, but we need to be more aware of our own fullness. Mm -hmm. We need to be aware of where our cup is at. When we live from our own fullness, the lot that the Lord has given us, that lot we have cultivated with Him, it impacts every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. Emotional fullness is manifested primarily through high levels of awareness of our own feelings, our weaknesses, our limits, how our past impacts our present, and how others experience them. This fullness allows us to enter into the feelings and perspectives of others without mistaking their feelings and perspectives as our own. There are probably a lot of us in this room that have the gift of discerning of spirits. We walk into a room and we immediately know that something's going down because even though we were so bubbly and full of joy, all of a sudden we feel depressed and we know that it's got to be somebody in the room. If we're not careful, if we don't really know who we are and what we're called to and where our cup is at, we will mistake those feelings and that spirit as our own and we'll take it upon ourselves, and we'll carry more baggage than we're supposed to. Not only that, but if we're truly healthy and mature, when someone comes to us and say, you've hurt me, we're humble enough to ask how. How can I repent so that your experience with me looks different? And that's not necessarily, again, I know in the prayer I mentioned earlier, that's not like, that's not a people-pleasing, that's not a political move. It's a, I care deeply for you, 
and I know that I'm going to be okay regardless of what you say about me. So how did I hurt you? And how can I hear the Lord in what you're about to tell me? You guys tracking with me? So look, our, our spiritual fullness is manifested in a healthy balance between our being with God and our doing for God. We need to be careful not to engage in more activities than our spiritual, physical, and emotional reserves can sustain. Um, it's going to be bad for us in the long run. It's going to be bad for us spiritually. We're going to feel like their people are pulling us away from the Lord if we continue to say yes. It's going to be bad for us physically because we don't make time to take care of ourselves. It's going to be bad for us emotionally because we're going to false burden bear and carry the baggage of others to places that we shouldn't. If we're, if we're really going to be interceding for people and helping people carry their burdens, like it says too in Galatians 6.1, then we help them carry their burdens to the cross and drop them there so that those burdens die with Jesus. And because of that, we're able to take on a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. Yes, yes. When we are not spiritually and emotionally full and acting out of that fullness that the Lord provides for us, we are not able to do that because we, uh, I said this a few minutes ago, we will mistake their baggage for our own. We'll pick it up, well-meaning to carry it. And the more we carry it, the longer we carry it, the more we think it's our own and the more it becomes our problem. Soon we're bitter about things that we had no reason being bitter about because we weren't even involved in those situations to begin with. All of a sudden we're in self-pity because things happen to our friends that never happened to us and we don't know why we feel so bad about it. My point in all this is that we have to receive from God more than we do for God. God saved us because he loved us. And yes, he expects us to follow his commandments, but he didn't save us because we were following his commandments to begin with. He saved us while we were still enemies because he wanted us to see him and spend time with him because that's where the transformation happens, is seeing him and spending time with him. While we were enemies, the Lord died for us so that we would no longer be his enemies. Now that we're considered his friends, how much more does he want that time with us, that precious time with us? How much more will that time transform us so we can do what we're supposed to do? I don't want this to seem like I'm preaching a a greasy grace that says spend time with the Lord and never do anything else. I mean, I think you guys know me well enough by now and you see all the things that I'm constantly trying to do to see that that's not where my heart is at. Um, but I want to say it just in case somebody hears it on the podcast or something later and they're like, oh, you're saying you don't have to do anything. No, I'm saying let's love God. Let's love God and love him so much and spend so much time with him that it's a delight to do his commandments. Right. Amen. Yeah, another I would say another way of saying that would be it's like when we're relating to people relate from a surplus 
instead of relating to them from a deficit. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. My cup runneth over, right? Yeah. Yep. Kingdom is the first love. It's a matter of priorities. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. And then balance. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And what a lot of, a lot of Christians fail to realize when God saves you, you become like him. You're a spiritual being living a natural experience. Yeah. You've heard that song, right? You know that song? Mm -mm. You've, you've never heard it. Mm -mm. Yeah. We are spiritual beings. His word is spirit because God is word and the word is God. Yeah. So we are spiritual beings. So therefore, the more word and the more God we get in us, the more we become more and more like him. Yeah. What's the song called? Um, I don't know, but I know the some of the lyrics go, we are spiritual beings living a natural experience. Okay. Well, I can't remember the rest of it. That was the only thing that, that came to my mind right then. It's all right. Yeah. Okay. But I hear it a lot on Heaven 600. Okay. On iHeartRadio. Okay. Yeah. If you the next time you hear it, send us a text or something in the group I, chat. I sure will. Um, cool. We have to receive from God more than we do for God. Um, our presence with God, ourselves, and others is the greatest gift and contribution to those that we lead. If our presence isn't carrying His presence, then we aren't working from a place of our cup overflowing. If our presence isn't carrying His presence, then we aren't working from a place of our cup overflowing. Peter spent so much time with the Lord that he didn't have to pray for people anymore. His shadow healed people as he walked by. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. I would love to get to that point. I'm not going to work myself in a frenzy if I don't because the point isn't to sit with God for so long that my shadow miraculously heals for people. The point is to sit with God for as long as I desire and He desires because I love Him. Because He first loved me. <clears throat> let's, let's read Luke. Um, let's read Luke 10 again. We'll, we'll make some observations. Now, while they were traveling, Yeshua entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who was seated at the master's feet, listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, so she approached Yeshua and said, Master, doesn't it concern you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. But he answered her, but answering her, the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and bothered about many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> I 
How many of us have welcomed Jesus into our house? How many of us have had our family and friends that have been in our home experience Jesus because they walked in? I have quite a few times. What I don't want to be is like Martha, so bent on serving them and setting up my home to be a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell and and uh, meet people that I forget that He wants to meet with me first. Look, the story of Mary and Martha demonstrates a vitally important truth. The active life in the world for God can only properly flow from a deep inner life with God. When we integrate our doing for God and our being with God, our lives have a beautiful, our lives have beauty, a harmony, and a clarity that makes the spiritual life both full and joyful. And when we, when we have sufficiently slowed down to be with God, when we have sufficiently slowed down to be with God, our activity for God is marked by a deep, loving communion. That's when Christ's life, more often than not, is able to flow through us to others, which means it is naturally reflected in the way that we make disciples and build healthy communities. When we have sufficiently slowed down to be with God. You know, then here, as you're saying that, I'm hearing the word preparation, preparing ahead of time. Yeah. Like preparing for him to come, for yeah. Jesus to come. Yeah. yeah. We have to be we have to be like the five virgins who knew how to save their oil. Knew where to get it. Right? So, so let's really let's really dive into this for a few minutes, um, a few minutes more. Not that we haven't dived in already, but let's really let's let's drive a couple points home. I think. Um, let's ask some questions. And and I don't I don't necessarily want answers right now, um, because these questions are for me too. But. Um, because I've been trying to walk this out to the best of my ability. Sometimes it's really hard with two kids. But my first question is, how often throughout the week do you take the time to just sit with the Lord? To just be with Him? Every day. Every day. It's a good answer. 
I don't necessarily need answers right now. Just <laughs> I want you guys to think about this. I want it, I want it to marinate. All right, mm -hmm. let's let it marinate for a second. Okay. How often are you making time to be with the Lord throughout the week? If it's every day, great. How often every day? How often? I'd like to say let's get to the place where we're all making the time every day. Is it at the beginning of the day? Is it at the end of the day? We need all of that. The Bible says that we need to have a Sabbath because Sabbath was made for man. Biblically speaking, the Sabbath was an entire day dedicated to sitting in the presence of the Lord. So if you say that you have a Sabbath, what are you doing with your Sabbath? I'm not saying don't do fun things that help refill you and recharge you and give you life. I'm saying do those things, but are you inviting the Lord into them with you? Because if you're not, then it's not a real Sabbath. And the things that you're doing that feel like are recharging you are just vanity if he's not there. Mm. I like that. The Lord said that we need to be working six days and we spend time with Him the one day, the, the Sabbath day. But there are provisions throughout the Bible that talk about spending time with Him every day. So, we talk a lot about, well, I haven't talked a lot about tithing. One day we'll get there. Money's not as important to me as it might be to some pastors because I've spent the majority of my time being bivocational. Um, as I get older, I'd like to move away from that, though. So uh, maybe we'll talk about tithing at some point. But there are been plenty of churches that I've been at that have talked a lot about tithing and tithing your finances. Let me challenge you in this. How often do you tithe your time to the Lord? Mm. There are 24 hours in a day. How do you spend those two hours and 40 minutes? If tithing is supposed to be your first 10%, is there a way that you can wake up a little bit earlier and spend your first 10% of your day with the Lord and give it to Him? To set you up for a good day where you actually can do? If we're called to six days of work, biblically speaking, and tithing everything that we have to the Lord, because it's His tax system, right? And if we're part of the kingdom of God, then that means the tax system... For the kingdom is still the tithe. It hasn't passed away. What are we doing to tithe our time to Him? That first 10%. How would it change our day if we spent that time with Him so that we could work those six other days? Here's another question. If you feel like you need more than one Sabbath day, to get rest. What is wrong with your life and your priorities? I know in America we get two days off for the weekend. I'm going to tell you as a parent, you don't get two days off. You don't get one day off. <laughs> right? Um, grandparents you either. Grandparents you either. Day off. Yeah, you, don't, you really don't if you own a house. Man. Um, but but here's but here's my challenge though. Here's my challenge. I know that I know that a lot of our self health and like self help and like 
mental health culture says that we need more days off. I don't think that we need more days off because God said that we would work six days and have one Sabbath day. I think we need to have better priorities. That's one thing that we've been talking a lot about on Saturday nights um, as far as like the leadership discipleship group is having our priorities straight. And I'm not saying go out and find another job to do one day a week. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's work to be done if you want to get ahead in life and you want to partner with the Lord. I know that some of us in here have multiple businesses that we want to start and different things that we want to do. How much time are you, are you, how are you partnering with the Lord to do those things? How much time are you willing to spend to do them if they're important to you? How much work are you willing to put into it? The other thing that I want to bring up is that the word for work in Genesis 1 and the word or in Genesis 2 when God commands Adam to work and the word for worship in Leviticus when the Lord commands the priests to worship him in all their acts and in all their ways are the same word in the Hebrew. So if you're really burnt out on your work and the things that you're doing, I want to challenge you to think about why you're doing them. His presence can be in everything that we're doing if we let him be with us. If we are aware of him. We're supposed to do everything. Unto the glory of the Lord. As if we're doing it for him, not me. Yep, Mm. exactly. So as we, as we walk away from tonight with our prayer time, with our prophetic words, and with the beginning of this series, I don't know, with this, with Mark 1, I mean, we're not even done with half the notes that I have about spending time with the Lord. Um, what I want to challenge everyone in this week is two things. It's really two things. Is one... I want to challenge you in how you spend your time. Can you tithe 10% of your day to the Lord? Maybe it's not even 10% of the full day. Maybe it's 10% of the days or the of the 10% of the day. Maybe it's 10% of the time that you are awake. If you're awake 18 hours, divide that by 10. Not 18. How many? 24. 16. Thank you. If you're awake 16 hours, well, I'm a parent, so I'm, yeah, thanks. (laughs) I get sad for myself some days. (laughs) Uh, For the sleep, anyway. Uh, I had had my first energy drink in like a month today. It was a fun time. Um, I hadn't felt the ways that I felt today in like a month. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> how can you tithe 10% of 16 hours to the Lord tomorrow? If you're burnt out by the end of your day, tomorrow, throughout the week, where are your priorities at? Mm-hmm. And on your Sabbath day, and this is the this is the this is my final question. On your Sabbath day, is it really a Sabbath day? Mm. Is it really dedicated to the Lord? 
or are you just feeling it with things that you think will make you feel good? Yes, Ariel. Question. When we say burnt out, we're not that's not we're not saying that that's the same thing as tired. No. Right. Okay. It's okay to be tired. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tired every day. <laughs> I'm tired every day. I'm tired every day. But so here's here's the thing. Being burnt out means that you can't take it anymore and you feel like you're going to explode if you if you're going if you do anything else. Being tired just means that you need a nap. Or good sleep throughout the night. Or a pot of coffee. Not a cup, a pot. Um or an energy drink. Drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine's apparently the only drug that we're allowed to be addicted to besides the presence of the Most High. So, uh, anyway. Who said that? <laughs> I learned it. I, I learned it in Bible college. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, as as we go about as we go about this week, as we go about this week before we get to part two, maybe even a part three, um, these are the things that I want us to be thinking about so that we can work in. Uh, monks call them daily offices. Those crazy guys that move into a monastery and don't do anything but farm and spend time in the presence of the Lord, they call them daily offices. Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence, yep. Man, practicing the presence of the Lord. If you've never read Practicing the Presence of the Lord, you're doing yourself a disservice. Or in Jasmine's case, you can listen to it. It's on Hoopla. I got you. Um, and who is that? Brother Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's it. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna set back up. We're gonna get out of here. What was the second thing? Because I got the first one. Tom, Tom, you said challenges, right? The challenges. Challenge. Tithe your time. Tithe your time. Keep the Sabbath. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Any more questions before I pray? Yeah, I'm just gonna say I love what you're saying about slowing down. Seems like the Holy Spirit uh, processes things through us slower than what we ordinarily like to go along really fast. Yeah. Blip, 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 one thing to the next. Uh, he's slower, so yeah, it takes yeah. it takes more time for that. We're a microwave culture, so we yeah. think we can yeah. read the book one time and have it all figured out. Yeah. Not how it works. The crock pot guy. <laughs> Slow cooking. Yeah. I love it. Well, I mean, look at how he sets up times and seasons for mm-hmm. uh for farming in the in the harvest in the old mm-hmm. testament. Like mm-hmm. he really is about slow, in depth growth. Mm-hmm. Um there's a reason why I mean there are plenty of reasons why. Mm-hmm. Uh the spiritual reason <laughs> why Israel was an agricultural mm-hmm. culture was because God wanted to ingrain himself into everything that they were doing. Um, 
we their dependence too. Right. Right. Exactly. Have to depend on God. Yes. 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 Good Lord. Yes. He wants us all to be dependent on Him as the Word tells us. Yeah. As the Word tells us. Yeah. Stop putting your trust in man. I understand the principle of the story with Martha and, and Mary, but I think, just me personally, I think Martha gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm not, look. I appreciate Martha's. I do too. Yeah. Right. I do too. I appreciate people who have the spirit of hospitality. And mm-hmm. yeah. to me, when I look at her, that's what she was trying to do, to do the best for the Lord. And, and I do appreciate what the <clears throat> Lord said, that, you know, that Mary chose the best thing to spend in His presence. Mm-hmm. But... I just think when we look at that, we make these clear lines like mm-hmm. Martha's this unspiritual yeah, yeah. person, you know, and I just think she gets a bum rap. <laughs> Spoken by a true servant of God. Uh, <laughs> maybe so. Look, we'll we'll talk about Martha's we'll talk about Martha's a different day, uh, in a positive yeah. light because because you're right. You're right, man. Like mm-hmm. there are I can, man, I can remember I can remember back in my some of my early days of doing ministry and leading Leading small groups and leading house groups, I had people, I used to have conversations with people where they would just be like, well, I just want to sit, once the Spirit of the Lord is here, I just want to sit in His Spirit, you know, in His presence all day. And I would be like, that's great. You're missing all the things that He wants you to do now that His Spirit is on you. I think the only thing that Martha is missing, and I think this is the key point of this, it's not that Martha was doing the bad thing. It's that she made serving the priority Rather than being in the Lord's presence, and and uh, you know, but man, do we need more Marthas in embedded with the Spirit of the Lord and basking in the Spirit of the Lord? Because if Martha could get that down, she would have been way more famous than Mary. Yeah. Because you don't see Mary do much after telling the disciples, "Hey, he's risen. Go check." You know, like, she just disappears. She's a visionary, though. So she is. There's got to be something yeah. said for that. Oh, 100%. I don't want, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to knock Mary either. Don't read into what I'm not saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is she the alabaster box breaker? Yeah. Uh, a lot of theologians believe that, yes. Yeah. There's debate about that, but yeah, yeah. There, a lot of theologians believe that. Yeah, because I, I know Mary was a very common name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spikenard is a very uh, extensive, extensive oil. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go to Israel this next month, I want to bring you all back some spikenard because that I believe be that's the spice that was in the alabaster box. Yeah. I know so on Monday the Lord led me to uh, anoint the intercessors that I pray with every Monday. Yeah. Uh, we have about eight of us That's that awesome. are, you know, and we just go by the Spirit. Yeah. But the Lord led me to anoint each one with a Mary anointing with a spikenard, oil spikenard. That's awesome. It has, and it filled up the room, and it was oh, just like so the fragrance of God, and it was so precious. Wow. Yeah. But I said, we need to be Mary, so you and I, we're tracking. Yeah, tight. You know? That's awesome. It's awesome. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, been getting a lot in case you guys want extra stuff to learn from um maps global is doing their sunday morning podcasts it's called their family gatherings they're doing a series right now uh called the father's house 
and it's along the same lines uh, of what we're talking about here. So, um, excuse me, something extra to check out if you if you're into it. Um, all right, let's pray. Abba Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I thank you for your spirit in this room. Abba, I ask that you teach us to have one desire, one thing that we should seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all our days to behold the beauty of Jesus so that we may meditate in your home all the days of our lives like a deer pants for the brook Lord let our let let our spirit pant for your spirit Give us a desire for your presence the way that Moses had a desire for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.